Welcome to the Triangle Gardener Magazine podcast. We are your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. Today's episode, Tobacco Vacation. I'm your host, Dan Mason. But first, a word from Garden Destinations, who help make this all possible. Garden Destinations is a new digital magazine for travelers who want to experience the world's finest public gardens and garden destinations. From their website, gardendestinations.com, you can learn about unique gardens, get insider tips from expert travelers, and make plans to include these destinations in your next adventure. Check them out at GardenDestinations.com. You can find this and our other stories on the Triangle Gardener magazine website, TriangleGardener.com. You can also keep up with us on Twitter, at Triangle Garden. Now, on with today's story. Uh, my parents smoked. One of the things I remember about our summer vacations was them in the front seat of the car smoking and me in the back seat gasping for air. My friend Dan has altogether different childhood memories of tobacco and summer vacations. So as a child, I took, um, and when I say child, I'm remembering I was probably in my 9, 10, 11, 12, those years, um, I took tobacco farm vacations, which meant I went to my aunt and uncle's house in North Carolina and spent a week or two with them and worked with them, and I mean work, um, harder work than I'd ever done before in my life, and they would pay me a little bit, and so I made a little bit of money during the summer. Um, And I got to know my family better and, and spend some good quality time with them. I live in Durham, North Carolina, and around here, when you get away from town, you start to see them, these odd little barns. They're taller than they're wide. Often they have a stone foundation, and they look dark. No windows, they're shut up tight. But if you come close up on them, sometimes you can catch this scent. There used to be one at this edge of a field, and I walked past it with my dog. It was covered in honeysuckle vine, and when it bloomed, The smell of the honeysuckle combined with the dusky smell of tobacco in a way that was intoxicating. That barn was pulled down last year. Townhouses are going up now. I asked Dan to give me a tour of the tobacco barn that's at the Brody Discovery Garden. It's part of the Sarah P. Duke Gardens in Durham, North Carolina. Well, this building is a replica, I would guess we would say, of an old tobacco barn. And it's been made from um, two tobacco barns that were in use, but then went in disrepair as the tobacco industry declined. And um, so they brought them here and constructed this barn here to to honor that, that industry here in North Carolina. It's made out of logs. And so, as you can see, they're all... Um, a, a dovetail together and then there's chinking in between and that's to keep it airtight. The tobacco farming industry dealt in curing tobacco and what that entailed was priming to the tobacco or harvesting the tobacco and bringing it into the barn all in one day 
and then um, stringing it up on, on sticks, putting those sticks up in the barn in different layers, layer after layer after layer, and then once it was full, cranking up the wood heat. So there were two big fire fireplaces here outside that you fed long poles of usually pine to um, create a hot, intense heat right off the bat. And that intense heat cured the tobacco leaves. And by cure, I mean it wilted them. And then they started bringing, once they were wilted, they started bringing the temperature down, still warm, but not as hot as the beginning. And slowly curing the tobacco, which turned it this wonderful golden leaf that we hear so much about in the, the gold leaf tobacco. In the early days, when you're a little, little person, and you, at least you can walk and, and, and function a little bit, <laughs> um, in those ages when I started, I was handing leaves. What is that? Handing leaves. Now, what happens is, so early, early in the morning, and I remember this better than anything else, is getting up before the sun came up, and I had never done that before. And my aunt got me up, and she said, Danny, it's time to get up. And I was like, my eyes won't open. They're, they're too sandy. I can't get them open. It's too early. And she said, well, we got to go to work. And so I was like, okay. So she fixed breakfast, biscuit eggs, ham, big breakfast that she fixed. <clears throat> and then we went out and we started working. Well, all the adult men and some of the adult women and, uh, would be the primers. So and they were the harvesters. So those words are interchangeable. And um, they would go out into the field with uh, a slide. It would be a long... Um, homemade wooden thing that was that would hold the tobacco once they picked it off the plant and it was only as wide enough to get between each row and then a horse or a mule pulled the slide through the row <clears throat> so everybody would start at the same end and get a row or two usually prim good primers could do two rows at a time and you're just picking out the leaf picking out the the um the ripe leaves, put them, putting them under your arm, and get it. You get an armful, and you take it to the slide, and you put it in the slide, and go get another armload, and you do that until you get to the, you get the slide full, or you get to the end of the row. <clears throat> well, when the slide gets full, it gets pulled to the tobacco barn, and it would get pulled. Now we're standing right now. We're standing right next to the barn, and we're under the shed. And the shed's very important. As you notice, it goes around three different sides of the, of the tobacco barn. Well, it's creating shade is the main thing <clears throat> because a lot of work's got to happen here too. So we, talk, we talked about a lot of work going on in the field. But here, <clears throat> the slide would pull up and, and pull up right next to the, to the um, shed. And under the shed would be now the teenage girls or the adult women and the children. And their job would be to string the tobacco. And so the, as handing leaves, when, when that slide would come up and we would start working on that, my job would be to, to get groups of three leaves and hand it to the stringer. So this stringing activity was looping the, those bunches of three leaves together on a tobacco stick. Now, I can show you inside, there is a, what's called a tobacco horse. 
And that's where the tobacco stick rested while the stringer strung the tobacco. Now, let me put my eyes on the horse. It was in here. There it is. So it would be standing on the floor. And as you can see, at one end, there is a board with a V cut out. Stick goes in that V. And there's this, over here, there's another one. But on this end, there's an additional board. And what that board did was to either hold the ball of string or to guide the ball of string so you didn't get it uh, looped and entangled with anything else going on. So you put a tobacco stick, which is about four feet long. There's some up there in the, in the rafters um, that are stretched across. That's, that's a tobacco stick. You would hand the leaves and, and, and to the stringer, and she would string them on. And when that stick got full of tobacco, then she would probably take it. Or if you had extra help, you'd have one person who was pretty much doing that, taking off the the filled tobacco sticks and going over and making a big stack of them outside in the shade. Again, that's why the shed's here, so that we'll keep the tobacco in the shade. Because <clears throat> you can't, if, if the tobacco were to sit in the sun, stacked up like that, it would start to basically compost and it would start heating up too hot and uh, funguses and that sort of thing would start to develop. So you wanted to keep it cool. Well, why'd you have to dry the leaves? Why can't the leaves be sold when they're fresh and green? The leaf of the tobacco is big and broad, and it's very fleshy. And it's also, um, if you've ever walked through a tobacco field, and especially if you have um, shirt sleeves or you don't have any shirt sleeves on, you will feel the, the gum, the tobacco gum, we'd call it, that would come and it, it sticks on, your, on the hairs on your arms or onto your arms, even if you don't have hair, you will, you will feel that sticky gum. Well, that gum is where all the nicotine is, <clears throat> okay? So that's what we're going for. So what, what that drying process does, when we bring the, the, the healthy living leaf, pick it, bring it in, and immediately that day, get it in the barn and then fire it and cure it. It's similar to drying herbs. You're getting the moisture out of the, the plant, the leaf. So the fibers, of the, the fibers that remain, and then, of course, the gum that remains. And that gum is pretty much in the same form, only it's now reduced. And the, the bulk and weight of the tobacco is much, much less. My Aunt Pauline, Charlie's wife, as I said, she was a short little woman, loved to cook, made the best biscuits. Oh my God. And, um, but she loved to laugh and she loved to make you laugh. And so the whole family was pretty much that way. It was a very, very fun loving family. One night after, after supper, when it, so we ate supper fairly early, probably five o'clock or something. And, um, and in the summer, it's, it's daylight for a long time. So we would go out in the cooler part of the day and do topping, and especially if there was a field that was now being cast in shadow. And so as the, the topping is not a strenuous thing, it just has to happen, you get three or four people going down three or four rows, and, and, um, and we would sing, 
we would sing country songs and we would um, tell stories and just all sorts of things. And I remember one time, it was my Aunt Pauline and my cousin Julia and Rosemary, and we were just laughing and having a good time and topping the tobacco. And I had the hiccups because we'd just eaten supper and, and I had the hiccups. And they just wouldn't stop, wouldn't stop. So finally, my Aunt Pauline, thinking, okay, I'll show him, she, she came up next to me in her row and she said, and she told me that there was a, sna a, a, a snake in the row. And I jumped and screamed and ran and didn't have the hiccups anymore. And we laughed and laughed and laughed. And I remember on her, one of her dying thoughts to me when she was passing away three or four years ago, was she said, you remember that time that I scared you with, scared the hiccups out of you with the snake story? I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. There's gotta be a little rain sometime. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. The stories, well, that's pretty much all that's left for many farming families. Until the 1990s, tobacco cultivation and processing was the backbone of our state's agriculture. Since the federal tobacco buyout in 2004, the number of farms raising tobacco in North Carolina has decreased, but the acreage under cultivation has remained fairly constant. Bigger, mechanized farms enable the U.S. to be the fourth largest tobacco-producing country. We follow China, India, and Brazil. In 2012, the United States produced nearly 800 million pounds of tobacco. Dan says his uncle produced a few hundred pounds of tobacco each year, and he sold it at the local market. Today, most of North Carolina's tobacco crop is exported. I'm Lise Jenkins, and I'm heading back out to my garden. It's in Durham, North Carolina. So smile for a while and let's be jolly. Love shouldn't be so melancholy. Come along and share the good times while we can. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. There's gotta be a little rain sometime. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. <laughs>